Welcome to Awaken, a podcast about being awake in today's world. Hi there, and welcome to season two of the Awaken podcast. This entire season, I'll be chatting with Aaron Goggins and Chani Singh, who are co-conspirators of mine on a project we're calling the Wild Seed Society. Wild Seed is a lot of things. It's a Buddhist-inspired BIPOC spiritual community, a platform for autonomous activist projects and resource sharing, and much more. It's a little hard to describe, but we're hoping this podcast helps to give it some shape as we move forward. Hope you enjoy this season. Welcome to the Awaken Podcast. We're talking again with Chani and Aaron, and today we're going to dive into some of the things we're actually doing, how some of these design principles are coming to life. So Aaron, if you want to start us off and tell us about some of the things we have going on. Yeah, I would say that the Wild Seed Society has always been sort of an emergent project that uses an emergent strategy. And this is in part due to my time organizing in D.C. and doing organizational development and anti-racist organizational development and really wanted to experiment with different ways of collaborating and pulling people together. And one of the things that I realized in my organizing is the difficulty of getting people to agree on the exact thing and working in organizations that do consensus and just the insane conversations we would have because we like used consensus as like a holy grail of like, this is the most democratic thing, but it really kind of just makes you a dictator over details of just like arguing. And then you're so mad that you spent time that you either get into like a sunk cost fallacy where it's like, no, I want blue because blue is objectively the best color for this. Or you just say like, it's whatever. I don't care. I will give $20 to whoever overthrows this democracy to have a benevolent dictatorship and just decides what color we're going to put on this flyer. And so starting to experiment with the advice process and uh, Frederick Lelou's reinventing organizations to think about different ways that we could pull it together. And one of the things that I was most excited about was to really create an emergent organization that would focus less on strategic planning from a viewpoint of trying to control situations and more on an emergent process that talked about core values and what I think of as a touchstone, which is the felt sense of what it feels like for the project to be in alignment with its highest ideals and its highest values. And so that's kind of a fourth principle that went into what we actually did and trying to work around alignment versus coming up with the most excellent strategy and then trying to get people to like agree or consent around it, which is energetically and like emotionally my favorite way to organize. I just wish other people like to organize that way. I think it's actually just like kind of hard to do because people find it difficult to implement a vision that isn't theirs. And it's actually really mm -hmm. hard to share a vision for a concrete project. And so all of that to say is that it's been a really emergent journey so far to see what it is we've done. And with that said, I mean, we've done an incredible amount of stuff in a year. We have had mass visioning sessions about our spiritual community. We had two in October that were really amazing. We've done a lot of support for movements that have been on the ground in the post-George Floyd uprising period. Mm -hmm. So doing a lot of work with 
BLM DC and BLM Louisville. And that I think took up the most of my energy, certainly, and spent some time down in Louisville, Kentucky, supporting the local BLM chapter there. And moving forward, I think some of the things that I'm most excited about is connecting all of these different little mini communities that we've created through our programming, particularly the Community Cipher, Spiritual Cipher, and the Collective Care Pod course that Sandra and Chani helped put together with some other amazing folks. And that was basically a course that got into a lot of our thinking around the sort of inner being principle, right? Like how are we together as a community and focusing on, well, you know, actually Chani, who was much closer involved in that project. Um, and maybe this is a place where you could explain the community care course. Yeah, for sure. When we were developing the course, a lot of thought went into what foundational pieces need to be in place so that we can be together more lovingly and skillfully, honestly, as a community. And just acknowledging that that's not really taught to us in this day and age because it doesn't really benefit the overall systems in place for us to be skillfully in community with each other and learn how to relate with love and care and for ourselves and the people that we're together with. And so some of the elements that we talked about was especially for the program, like setting your purpose and figuring out what it is that you want to focus on. And then we would dive into the second piece, which was about being trauma-informed, because that is a framework that so many of us have in so many different ways, and acknowledging that piece, right? That whether we are currently moving through trauma or there's trauma as an overlay to some of the ways that we've experienced life and that are still impacting us today, or whether we're just in relationship with folks who might be experiencing and moving through trauma and coping with that, it's all relevant and all important to understand and get clear on what that looks like for us and begin the next piece, which is beginning to heal that and beginning to show up for ourselves and what does healing look like and what's accessible for us and what healing practices or what practices in general feel healing for us and what are good to incorporate. And from that point on, introducing to whatever degree feels joyful for you the concept of spirituality and acknowledging that for a lot of folks that's not a, a joyful concept and, and also naming and facing that and there has been trauma honestly there as well and just those underlying foundational pieces to bring us to a sense of strong deeply rooted in care community together and that it's never just one aspect that you're looking at. We have to come in as our whole selves with these frameworks in place in order to do that. And honestly, it went really well. I was really surprised a lot of the feedback that we got. It seemed that what we had built really did resonate with folks and it did feel like a really good graduation of these foundational pieces into being in community together. So yeah, I'd say that's a quick take on on the Collective Care Pod course. And that's just the content piece. That's not all the like fun bits that we sort of also wanted to put in place, like literally having folks in pods together. So you're not moving through the course alone, but learning from the beginning to be open and honest about our experiences and, and how to like co-hold each other through them. So you get sort of practical practices and people who will check in on you for the supports that you want and vice versa. Yeah. I'll, I'll leave it at that, but there are some also some other awesome practices that we put in place to help people stretch and feel love and care and support. Thanks, Jenny. Yeah, I think that was a really great overview. I think the big goal 
of Wild Seed for me is to create what I think of as a liberating commoning class of people. People who get their needs met with dignity through a sharing economy with other people. And so I think of that as like the ultimate goal and that there's a million possible directions, a million possible strategies, a million possible routes you could take to the goal of having a community where all of your needs from housing and food to social to spiritual are done through a process of commoning, which is a process where resources are held in common. There's a structure for governance of those resources that's democratic, that where everybody who is a stakeholder gets to decide how the resources are used. And it's done in a way that the commons or the resource is regenerated by people's participation in the governance system. They're also bringing resources together. And so thinking of things like income pools, you know, where everybody might have a job outside of the economy, but they pool all of their income together and then use that income to support themselves within the community. And the hope is that, you know, more and more collectives or different revenue generating things will be birthed in this community. And, you know, we can raise resources to buy houses and live together and grow food. And then more and more, we can actually start to move out of not just the capitalist economy, but in my way of thinking, to move out of the logic of capital itself. And this is something I take from somebody whose name I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to butcher. But Estevan Mazeros, who wrote uh, Beyond Capital, talks about how there's capitalism, which is about private ownership and profit, but there's also just capital, which is about the ways in which human labor is controlled by people other than the workers themselves, right? And so under capitalism, it's economic control. Private ownership of the land means that people have to sell their labor in order to get the money they need to buy their resources. But in Beyond Capital, the author talks a lot about how the Soviet Union was another system of capital in which it was political controls and the state that told people where they should work and how much they should work and how much they should produce. And that there's something inherently alienating about having how you spend your life being controlled by somebody else. And that actually, you know, with the Soviet Union, we, we have an idea of how you can overthrow capitalism. But what we haven't had is a revolution that actually overthrows capital. And I think that somewhere between where we're at now and this idea of a liberating common class, we have to overthrow capital on a small scale and figure out, like, how do you manage that work? And that, to me, is the great experiment of the Wild Seed now. And we've spent a lot of 2020 thinking through all the processes and policies and relationships that would be necessary to even attempt that. Mm -hmm. And so it was sort of like a weird year of like getting somebody to donate to pay for a tax lawyer and then thinking through all the like tax structures because it's actually really hard just to give people money and illegal to expect people to do work for money and not like pay taxes on that. And that for some things it's fine you know, paying taxes is like part of the world we live in. But for other things, it means allowing the state to control like the way that you associate with other people. And with incorporation comes like a lot of other things, paying taxes at a certain time, then 
if people have certain crises in their life and you just want to give them money, like to take the money that you got, if you're not a business, in order for it to be charitable, you have to prove, people have to prove that they're needy. And then you have to like keep records of things. So it actually, the requirements that you have to the state necessitate certain structures within your organization to be able to keep track of things, keep control of things. And so the logic of capital, right, which is beyond the logic of capitalism, but the logic of having somebody else control your labor and control the way you associate is built into our tax code. And so we've Mm -hmm. been trying to figure out what are ways that we could move outside the logic of capital without just committing a bunch of felonies, right, without opening ourselves up to uh, attack by the state. That's sort of been the process of trying to think about the principles of insight, interbeing, and transformation to create a sort of conceptual, cultural, and legal platform through which we could experiment with all of these different kinds of money sharing to get outside of the logic of capital. And then understanding that there's also the logic of capital that we've embodied and is like deeply in how we're thinking. And that's what a lot of the Collective Care Pod course was working through the ways that we think of ourselves as individuals who have to get our needs met only on our own and only through taking it from other people or proving that we're worthy to other people and breaking that down. And at the same time we're doing that, working with, for instance, like trying to like pay Chani on just seeing what she needs to thrive and Mm -hmm. the organization committing to just taking care of her without any expectation that being quote unquote full time would mean a certain amount of work. That pulls up so much of like, how do we support Chani in that? What are our expectations around that? How do we make that sustainable? Mm -hmm. How do we keep bringing in money? Mm -hmm. And so we're in this really interesting space, I think, where I feel like we have like a an ultimate vision of where we're going that feels really clear to me. It's not clear to everybody else, but what's unclear to everybody is what exactly the next step towards that is. Mm -hmm. And trying to get a sense of what step do people feel called to, because that's the catch 22 of moving beyond the capital system, right? It's not just about what's the most strategic way. It's actually, where do we have energy towards? What do we have the skills to do? And what do we have the capacity to do? Mm -hmm. And So we're doing that while we're also trying to untangle ourselves from the logic of capital and trying to know what's the difference between being concrete versus abstract and what's the difference between being concrete and being linear or being under, you know, the strategic frame of capital. And I don't think there's a clear line. Like, I don't think, I don't think it's clear. And so that's, that's sort of the meta, where do we go from here? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, to add to that a little bit too, it's like with the spirit of like the emergent strategy too, it's also like not creating in a bubble or not visioning in a bubble as well, but also like being in relationship to the folks that we want to be in relationship with and the different communities that we want to connect with and and hope to bring along for the journey at some point and seeing what they need. And so I almost want to add that there is, you know, when we talk about emergent strategy um, around this and And being open to what comes, there is also like knowing that we may have ideas together as a team about where we want to go next, but also being open to the ideas that come to us, you know, out of necessity or out of someone else's inspiration and taking a pulse point on whether or not we have energy and resources to do that thing and desire to. And if we do, 
maybe that being the next step too, but that's also, I think, been showing up for us. Yeah, not creating in a bubble. Yeah, and I think on the more like concrete and practical side, a couple of the things that we're excited to like put out there are creating a platform for people who have come to our things to hang out. And we're exploring Mighty Networks as a way to do that. We have an account and it's set up, but it's weird. It's like, it's sort of like, let's not just have this be a Facebook group, you know? Mm -hmm. And then thinking about like, nobody yet in our team, I think is excited to be like a content generator, but you can't just invite people to a platform and then be like, talk amongst yourselves. Like anybody who's ever facilitated a group thing knows that the last thing people will do if just put into a room is talk amongst themselves, especially if they don't know people already. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or it'll be such terrible, polite conversations about the weather that nobody comes back for the second meeting. <laughs> and so I think there's I, there's hesitance for me for that to be the like the main thing. I think mm-hmm. that I'm interested in inviting people to a mighty network as a place where it's just easier to engage people in a social media way without like having to write an email every week and get it formatted. But then I'm really excited about an idea we're kicking around, which is kind of a community visioning process where we pull together everybody who's come to anything that we did last year, invite them to the Mighty Network, host a session where we talk about last year and like talk a little bit more about what Chani and I went through in the beginning of this podcast about what we did last year, the thoughts and emotions and lessons that like went into us doing that. And then ask people like, what were they most excited about participating in? What did they see us do that they thought was sort of like weird or like not really what they thought Wild Seed was? And then what they'd be most exciting about doing with us, you know? Like what kinds of Wild Seed aligned things from their understanding could we do that they would wanna be a part of? And then what things do people want us to bring into the world? You know, I get that a lot of like, you should do this. And I'm like, are you going to help with that? They're like, no, but somebody should do this and you could probably do it, you know, and giving people a space to like say that. And then having the core team of folks who are going to like bottom line, pushing that out, put them into like different groupings of ideas and then come back to that same community with some options and do like a dot poll. On a, on a Zoom call where people can actually use Lumio, which is a, a website decision-making tool we use, to put dots next to the ideas that really resonate with them. And mm-hmm. if you really like an idea, you could put five dots or 10 dots, but give people like 100 dots to put next to all these ideas so we can get a sense of like, what does this group of people who we want to be part of a community but aren't quite there yet want this community to be? And then the core team can like choose from the list of options, like which they actually have the energy and skill and capacity to push forward and then decide on, on those that are sort of at the intersection of what we as a core team are excited about, what we as a core team have the capacity to do, what our community is excited about and what our community has the capacity to hold. And so we want to like launch our 2021 programming based on what exists at the intersection of those four things and then invite our community to help us build out whatever it is we decide is sort of there. And that's kind of what we're thinking. 
for 2021 of how we jump started and hoping even though we sort of have a core team that is sort of at the center of it to really build community by pulling people in and co-building it with people Mm -hmm. to help deal with a thing that I often see, which is like, if you just start with doing something really well and inviting people, it's really hard to transfer that to other people without a like sharp, (laughs) a sharp decline in quality of programming that actually leads people to like walk away from the community Mm -hmm. for the people who are only here to like get something from it in the beginning. And so we're hoping to co-build it with people. So they're skilling up in their ability to lead it and their ability to understand it at the same time it's happening. And so by the time our core team, which is like mostly manifestors, people who like to start things and start fires and are entrepreneurial, but aren't the people who are going to do one thing for 10 years or iterate on make small tweaks to make something better. So we can hand it off to the people in the community who are those people who can take something that's really cool and keep it going. And hopefully we can come up with a way to keep building towards the liberated commoning class, the wild seed society through processes like that. We vision with the community build the thing we vision with that community and then reflect on the past year of building and then open it up for more people to vision. Okay. What's the next step? Which of these things do we keep doing? Which of these things do we do next? That way sort of get the best of having a small group of people with a tight shared vision who are highly skilled and the best of a broader community of people who are self-organizing and co-creating together. That's the hope. And that's how we're thinking about, you know, bringing in the design principles that we've been talking about this year into actually building out the Wild Seed Society. Thanks so much for listening. For more information on Wild Seed and to get involved in any way, check out wildseedsociety.com. And we could always use a share, a like on whatever platform you're on. All that stuff really helps us rank on algorithms and reach more people and all that jazz, you know, the drill. We've got more episodes on Wild Seed coming right up, so stay tuned. We're so, so excited to share this project with you. And again, you can check out more at wildseedsociety.com.